0: Log talk radio it's already done
1: it's It's the pressure points unpacked podcast with host tyra little we're live tuesdays at 6 p.m eastern time this show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level we're unpacking emotional spiritual mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time.
0: Hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked, where we are transforming Tuesdays spiritually, spiritually, Mentally, emotionally, and physically. I'm your host, Tyra Little, and today we have Representative Christopher Hart with us. Helping me unpack today, I have Pastor Anthony McCallum of Bethlehem Baptist Church College Place in Columbia, South Carolina, and Torres Sanders, Licensed Professional Counselor and Licensed Addiction Counselor. So let's get unpacked. So you guys, today, as I told you, we have Representative Christopher Hart with us. Um, Representative Hart is a veteran of military. He served in Operation Desert Storm. And I'm going to bring Chris in right now so that he can introduce himself a little more. So, Chris, I just want to thank you for being with us. Welcome to the show.
1: Good afternoon. Good evening. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, it's an honor for me to come on to your show, and I really thank you for all the good work that you do in our community and, um, yeah, I, I served in uh, Saudi Arabia at the tender young age of 18 years old back in 1991. And uh, it was an honor for me to serve our country. And after uh, I came back from Saudi Arabia, I started cutting here at Toliver's Main Event right here in Columbia on North Main Street. And I started going to class at Midlands Tech. And um, from Midlands Tech, I transferred to Howard University. Uh, the most prestigious oh. historical black college <laughs> university in the country. And uh, from there, I, I came back home to South Carolina and went to law school at uh University of South Carolina.
0: Oh. Wow. Chris, I never knew that you used to cut hair. That's Wow, that's, that's
1: I, interesting. I did, and the interesting thing is now my hair won't grow. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it has stopped growing. So <laughs> I don't get to cut it too much anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, I did. You know, I, I, I was blessed to Tolliver, who is, who is very instrumental and been instrumental in our community for over 50 years. He gave me the honor uh, to, to cut here. And the interesting at, at that barbershop, you know, I, I met Congressman Clyburn. Uh, I met uh, Mr. J.T. McLawhorn, I met Pastor Charles Jackson and many other community leaders uh, who came through that barbershop and many of them who still come through that barbershop. So while I was there cutting hair and going to at school at Memphis Tech, I was able to touch and reach and get into contact with so many of our community leaders who are still community leaders today.
0: Wow, wow. So I know that that had a huge impact on you. Um, I mean, because you just named off some some really good, phenomenal community leaders. I mean, I can only imagine the pouring into that you got, you know, just being able to engage them in conversation. Um and, and still yet at a young at a young age. Um, I know that had to be really impactful on your life and your career in becoming a representative.
1: It did. And you know, the interesting thing is I, I you know, I was nineteen years old I don't think I understood that impact that it had on me until I got much older and more mature, and when I look back and I reflect upon it, now I can see the impact that it had upon me, but actually experiencing it at the moment, I didn't understand what was going on and and how it took place in my life.
0: Wow. And you know what, what you just said is really key because that happens, it's, it's resounding. You know, you don't realize a lot of times the value. Um, and, and I guess you couldn't at that age. There, There's no way that you could really realize um, the surrounding circle of wisdom that you had around you. You know what I'm saying? It's, and it's not until we have those moments when we look back or when different things happen in our life and you can be like, wow, you know, this is because of this person or that person or you think back about you know you reflect back about the conversations that you had in the barbershop you know so
1: yeah. um that, and, and, that's really and, you awesome. know, the barbershop and the and the beauty salon those are key components in our community um, that that's you know right below the church that is that is the next place uh, where, where folks congregate uh, to get active in the community. The black church has always been number one, the number one place right. to galvanize our community. But the barbershop and the beauty, uh, beauty shop is right behind that.
0: Right. Those those are those key grassroots places, you know? Definitely, definitely. Um, well, Chris, you know, as I invited you on, and you know we're, we're going to talk legislation today, um, you know, I think a lot of times, in our community, and this is just my viewpoint, and, you know, Taurus, you're welcome to expound on it, put your input in it. I think a lot of times um, we're not as informed as to, and not just in our community, you know, sometimes people don't really realize, you know, after we vote you in, you know, do we have an obligation to you after that, you know, Um, exactly the different roles that the community can take. And so, You know, one of my questions to you is going to be, as a community, after we vote you in, you know, do we have a role in lawmaking? Absolutely.
1: Uh, I think we all have a – let me clear. I think we have an obligation
0: uh, as Mm. a community,
1: and and especially as the black community, we have an obligation. So many times in our community, I hear people say, well, I I don't want to get involved in politics. I'm not worried about politics. And I say to them – I don't understand it because politics is worried about you. And, and politics wants to get involved in your community and making sure that you don't get involved and get a piece of what's going on downtown at the State House. So you need to be involved. And one of the key, here's one of the key reasons why I decided to run back in 2006. I looked at the numbers and I saw that in the primary election, only 14, I'm sorry, let me be clear, only 1,100 people had voted. And I said, wait a minute, only 1,100 people voted? I know personally 1,100 people. And I said, we have to get more involved now. Those numbers have increased over the years, but that was one of the reasons why I decided to run. I said, something is going on where we need to get more people galvanized, more people energized, and more people interested in the political process. So to answer your question, once you go to the voting booth, once you mm-hmm. elect your representative, your council person, your elected official, you think you have an obligation to be involved. And I say that because there are people down at the state house, there are people at the county council, there are people at the city council who are involved, and those people want a seat at the table. And the thing about it is they will not accept no. They will not accept no for an answer. All too often, I don't see us down at the state house, at the county council, at the city council level when those politics, most politics are local, and most decisions mm-hmm. that affect your life and affect your children are made on the local level. So it is very important for us to stay involved even after Election Day, after we vote our representatives in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, definitely said um, <laughs> definitely said a mouthful there, um, because more is needed, more is required. Now, you said something that I found kind of interesting um, about how to get more voters, you know, involved, more people, because you were saying it was only 1,100 people. And so, what did you do to try to increase that that voter awareness, the need to vote? Right.
1: So what I did is, and I took a different approach uh, as to doing voter registration. Mm-hmm. So voter registration, is, let me be clear, voter registration is extremely important, and we should continue to do it. Right. But I took a different viewpoint of not voter registration, but voter turnout. Because when I looked at the numbers, the, register, the number of registered voters were there to win the election. The number of, vote, of registered voters to win any election is there. The key is the turnout. You have to turn out on election day. So what I did for District 73, I looked at the numbers, and I said, well, there are enough people who are currently registered to vote to win this election. So I didn't register any new voters. I went, to, I went to the numbers, and I looked at the numbers, and I looked at the folks who did not vote in the election prior or who hadn't voted for years. And I went to those folks, and I encouraged them, and we had uh, fish fries, and we had cookouts, and we had community rallies to get them involved. And they got involved and they stayed involved. And that was a different approach that I took. Okay, that's
0: that's really good. That's really good. Um, you know, and when we look at the current things that's going on now, you know, with the voter suppression, um, you know, what do you think that we can do as a community to make sure that we keep people motivated, that they understand that, hey, you know, regardless of the things that's coming with, you know, what can we do to still reinforce? Because you got our younger generation. Some of them sometimes feel like where their vote doesn't matter. What, how, you know? How do you think? What can we do to really to help deal with that?
1: I, I think the continued outreach, um, just day to day outreach, which can be it can be um, tiresome sometimes. You can feel overwhelmed, like you're not uh, accomplishing anything, but it's important. Uh, it's, it's a gradual, it's a slow process, but that day-to-day outreach uh, in our churches, in our barbershops, in our beauty salons, even now with social media, uh, all mm-hmm. this stuff on social media that we can do in a positive reform to get folks out, and people say, well, I don't feel like my vote counts. And I say, well, why don't you? You feel like you don't, your vote don't count, but it's a reason why they're trying to keep you from voting. So your vote has to count because they don't want you to vote. So it's important. And just the educational piece uh, and, and making people feel processed. So a lot of what I do is, uh, it, you know, in our community meetings, I always encourage our community to come down to the state house. And one of the things that I say, this is, one, this is not my seat. This is the people's seat. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the community. It belongs to the people who elected me to be in that position, that I am blessed and honored to be in that position. That state house doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the representative. It belongs to the people. That's correct. And I encourage folks all the time, come down there and see what we do, get involved in the process. And that's also one of the ways to keep people engaged To say, hey, come watch this process. See how it affects, see how it starts from just a thought to the final product and how it affects your life on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, that's that's. That's good. That's good, Taurus. Um, you know, do you have any thoughts on how we can continue to get our younger generation involved in in voting, making sure that they're registered, making sure that they understand that um, their opinion, their vote matters, it counts.
2: I think the uh, one of the challenges is. people understanding that their issues are important. And unfortunately, the the more repetitive and louder voices tends to overcrowd, you know, those that are really um, trying to be active or trying to be heard. And, you know, um, Representative Hart, he, he's correct, uh, you know, there's people that are very diligent and vigilant about being active in the political process, you know, engaging their representatives, uh, city council or county council or state representatives. You know, when I first started with law enforcement, I was um, a residential patrol officer, like the real, the real true sense of residence. I lived in a neighborhood I worked, and I worked very closely with the community leaders. Um, you know, like um, Durham-Carter, the Hildebrands, um, and and quite a few others. Unfortunately, most of them have passed away now, but they were really activists. Um, They would call up the mayor, whoever they need to call up when there was an issue, or people would call Mm -hmm. them to have them call the representative. And it's because their issues were important, and they were not ashamed, They they were not reluctant to to say, hey, this matters to, to me or to us and we need you to do something about it. And I think we need to still have that same attitude today that your issues are important and other people are probably having the same concerns or the same interests as well. But if we don't get together and talk about it, we don't know. Um, So I think that's a challenge, like people realizing that, hey, you you have an interest and you need to let it be known. Otherwise, the the people that are going to be out there, that have been out there, they're just going to get all the attention.
0: Exactly, exactly, um, representative Hart, I want to say, and let me be clear for for the listeners also, representative heart is is my rep is my representative. Um, and I can truly sue the fact that um Chris truly cares about his community, the people that he's representing. Um, you know, I've gone to Chris on several different um issues that I've had. Um, And one of the main concerns, um, we we have some more things that I've I've discussed with him as well. But one of the things that I talked to Chris about, Chris, what was that, about two years prior, two years ago? Because I know it was before COVID. COVID kind of held us up from working on this particular bill.
1: That's correct, yes. It was about two years ago.
0: Right. So, you know, I went to Chris, and I actually mentioned this on a couple of shows back, um, where I went to Chris about there was, an issue where the federal represent, um, they recognize veterans whenever they have like um, a disability. They, their, their recognition, they recognize them differently from how the state does. Um, and I found it really interesting to see that, hey, you know, called them up, told them about it and, you know, um, got the information from the Department of Revenue. Um, as to how, you know, what their their, um, regulation was on it. And we're in the process of getting a bill passed with dealing with that. So I know that it definitely does work when you reach out to your representative about some of the issues that you have. Now, granted, I know that, you know, there may be some things that they can't always change, but... Chris, I want you to talk a little bit about that process to help people to understand, you know, that this is how we get laws passed. This, this is how we benefit the community um, by coming to you all, because, you know, you don't know everything that's, you know, that's wrong out here, you know. And I feel like we have an obligation to come back to you, you know, to try to assist with while you're in in office, while we can get some things done. let so kind of speak to that.
1: Right. So, and, and I really appreciate because as a veteran, um I was you know I was not aware of the issue that you brought forth about, you know, the dis- you know 100% disability for the veterans in our community and that's a very important issue. And you know, it starts with it starts with a thought pretty much. Any laws or any legislation it just starts with a thought process. And I'll start with if you take for example like we just passed open carry, which uh, I, I voted against. Wow. Open carry allows anyone with a CWP to openly carry a firearm on their outside, on their waist. Don't just, you don't have to hide it? You just wear it out like you in the Wild, wild West. That yeah. started from a thought. That started strictly from a thought of people who are strongly. Uh, in favor of the Second Amendment, which I I support, you know, firearms and being able to to have your weapons and protect yourself. Uh, But I think there should be some regulation to it. I don't think you should just have unfettered access and just being to do as you want to with the weapon. I think it takes responsibility and it it takes some control and it takes some regulation. But that whole process started with a thought. So someone came up with a thought. They went to the legislature. They introduced the bill. It went through the committee process, subcommittee, uh, came to the House floor. We voted on it. It passed. It went to the Senate, went through the same process, the committee process. The Senate passed it. It went to the governor's desk. The governor signed it. And 90 days from when he signed it, which I think is going to be around August, it's going to be law. So that will be the law of South Carolina that if you have a CWP, a concealed weapons permit, you can hopefully carry your weapon out in the open for everybody to see. So the, the process that you brought for the veterans, is started with a thought. And we went through the committee process. We've gone through the committee process. And now we got to go to the full committee. Once it goes to the full committee, the full committee will vote on it. It will go to the House floor. So in the South Carolina House, we have 124 members. There are 81 Republicans and 43 Democrats. On the full House floor, we would take a full vote, the House, and then it goes over to the Senate. There are 46 senators. Within the Senate, once the Senate passes, it will go to the governor's death. Once the governor signs it, the governor signs it, and then it's approved, and then it becomes law. And that's that process. Now, that's a very long process. It's not as quickly as I just mentioned it. It is a very long <laughs> An thoughtful and
2: deliberate process, but it seems like certain bills don't meet the obstacles that other important and significant mm-hmm. bills do. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, I guess, in my opinion, I'm speaking Taurus here. You know, some very critical or necessary, purposeful, meaningful bills. They get the scrutiny, the challenge, or the filibusters, if you will, and they don't see the light of day. But then you have something like an carry. What is the need for open carry? I mean, we don't have some of the issues that some of these other states are having, so what's really the point of that? Is that really necessary? Probably not. We have some more pressing issues, I would think. I think that's the frustrating thing that people you know, experience and feel. Like, was that really a priority? versus some other things that we really have been neglecting for years, you know what I mean? Exactly. I, I think that's a valid, you know, a valid argument, a valid comment or response. Um, and I get it. I know the process is lengthy, but sometimes some of these things just, like, they skate right through um, compared right. to others. Right. So, and, talk, I'm glad
1: you mentioned that. So your frustration is the frustration that I've had for many years down there. If it's responsible, if, it's, if it makes sense, if it's logical, it doesn't get passed. If it's an agenda item for the majority party, Republican, it's, it's eighty-one Republican. So you, you have the majority party; are, they're eighty-one. They have a super majority. They have an agenda item that they come in with. These are the things that we will accomplish, and nothing else will get accomplished. So we have an agenda item of abortion. Um, open carry, and that's all we're going to pass this year. Anything else, we're not going to pass. And they're able to do that and push their agenda because they have a super majority in the House and in the Senate. So your frustration comes from that stuff that has, that's logical, that makes sense, that's going to help people out. They get put on the back shelf. They get log-rolled. They get... Um, Held up, and you don't—they don't see the light of day because it's just not an agenda item for the majority party. That's sad, and that's the sad and frustrating part for me because <laughs> I see how we can help people out more than what we do, but we don't because it's not part of the Republican agenda. item. Oh
0: man, man, man! Oh, man! Um, so this we, is a good. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Doris. So what do you think it's
2: going to take, uh, Representative Hart, to be progressive um, and, and trying to move forward rather than just let the status quo remain? Say it again. I didn't, I didn't hear you. Say it again. I'm sorry. So, so what do you think it's really going to take for, you know, for progression and, and for change to really happen? Like, what do you think is, like, the necessary thing rather than registering and, and really voting? I mean, what's really missing, do you think?
1: Uh, it's a lot. You know, it, i I think
2: one of the things we can
1: do is similar to what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. Uh she, she did some miraculous things. And and Georgia mm-hmm. is is very similarly situated like South Carolina. So in Georgia, those two Senate seats they, they split them by a very narrow margin. But you if you look at the numbers, it was Atlanta, Augusta, and Savannah, where you have a large majority of African American and Democratic voters. Outside of those areas, you have a largely Republican and largely white voter. It's the same here in South Carolina. In Richland County, you have a very large African American and Democratic voting block. Charleston is changing the same way, not so much as African-American, but a large Democratic. Outside of that, everything else is largely white and largely Republican. Greenville, Spartanburg, Aiken, Myrtle Beach, York County, Lexington County, all those areas are largely Republican. So to change the voting block, we got to do something very similar to, to what uh, Stacey Abrams did. And I think we can do it. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of dedication. It's going to take just a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but I think we can do it. And it it won't happen today, unfortunately. It won't happen next week. It won't happen next year. But I think it can be done.
0: Right, right. And so with that, we need to talk about what we need to do as a community to help you. But let's take a, a break right here. And let's come back. When we come back, we want to address how can we – what What are your thoughts, um, Chris, as to how, as a community, what can I do? What can Taurus do? What can Pastor McCallum do? What What can we do to help in this situation? Um, you guys, this is Pressure Points Unpacked. I'm your host, Tyra Little. You can call in at 914 205 Let's take a break.
1: Your skin isn't just skin. It's a beautiful reflection of
0: every single thing you've been through in life. Which is why Dove Body Wash removes your skin's ceramides and strengthens it against dryness. For instantly softer smoother skin
2: you can lovingly embrace renew the love for your skin with Dove Body Wash
0: your host Tyra Little and we have with us in studio Representative Christopher Hart. Representative Hart, welcome back.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Yes. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, sir. So before the break, um, we were discussing, um, you were talking about the dynamics of what happened in Georgia and, you know, how they worked on those areas that were Highly African American populated in the Democratic parties. Um, what I want to know from you, you know, you were saying that it's, it's not hard that we can do the same thing here. However, it's going to take some work. So, what type of ideas do you have as far as what what can we do to help? What can I do? Um, what can Torres do? Pastor McCallum? What what can we do to help facilitate this process?
1: Well. Uh, I- I'm glad you mentioned that. What what you're doing now is part of the process. Um, what Pastor McCallum is doing, what Taurus is doing, they're doing it now. we just got to encourage others to do and get involved like you guys are involved. Pastor McCallum has been involved in the community. for years. When I first ran, he embraced me. He helped me. I, I'm forever indebted to him. And even just a couple of weeks ago when he had the community event uh, for the barbershop for Taurus main event. He's all, his church has always been beyond the four corners of the wall of the church. So what he is doing is great in our community. We have to encourage okay. other churches and other folks to do the same thing because he can't do it and his church can't do it all by himself.
0: It's exactly. a heavy
1: burden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of work to be done. So if other churches got involved, um, that would be great. If more people did what you're doing with your podcast and being involved and coming to the community meetings, asking questions, making sure that everybody's involved, if more people did what Tarsus is doing, I think that that's the road to success.
0: Right, right. And definitely um, I can say this for you. Um, you do show up at community meetings. Um, yes, you know, you you do and I definitely appreciate that because that says a lot because, you know, sometimes you have representatives that you vote in and you don't see them at these meetings. You know? Um, even if you're running you know, running in late because you have not just my community meetings, but you have all of the others and you have a lot of places to hit. So I appreciate the fact that you're not a politician that just you know, okay, I got these votes, and I'm not coming, and I'm I'm not showing up for the people. So I truly appreciate that. Um, and I want to segue into Pastor McCallum, because, you know, what you just said, how supportive he's been to you. Um, Pastor McCallum, what do you think, um, or I don't know, like, you know, I don't attend all of the other churches, but From a grassroots standpoint, I know you are in some different um, associations with different churches. Um, Does politics come up? I mean, how do you guys talk about that, or what can we do to get this voter participation? Because just like Chris said, you know, yeah, we still have to continue with the voter registration, but we need a participation because you have the voters there. They're registered. We just got to get them to the polls.
3: Right, right. Uh, First of all, it's an honor to be on the platform with you, Ms. Tyra, along with my good friend, Mr. Sanders, uh, as well as uh, our very fine representative, Mr. Hart. And let me say a quick shout out for, us. I call it the bishop, a bishop for us uh, who is no 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 uh, tag against her. She is some kind of awesome woman. Uh, and thank her for just sharing her, her story as well. As it relates to, I think, uh, Representative is right on the money as it relates to, I think, it relates to faith community. I think we, I think we should be doing a little bit better uh, in, our, in our communities as it relates to be more engaging with uh, those who um, we have as our elected officials. And I think we need to be more engaging with them and have them to it's quite necessary to invite them. But I think tragically, I think sometimes many many clergies have the mindset, um, you know, hey, um, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to get too much tied up in it because you know about uh, church or religion and and politics. You know, with politics tangled up in that caused Christ to be killed and all that. And a lot of it has to be. Many of them have taken that out of context. Uh, I do believe, honestly, I do believe that uh, religion and the political side of things can sort of go hand in hand uh, because I think we should we should be encouraging to put persons who have moral have a, a good moral compass uh in the office who running for office and who who want to seek that office or that seat uh because you have persons who don't have any kind of moral conviction you, you know then
2: uh you know
3: I, I think it's just a tragic when the church not engaged with those who are certainly you know seeking office to, to to support a better community and who were better uh than the church to kind of gauge them and and quite naturally question them on behalf of a group of people or congregants or or the community. And so that means that I think many clergy, clergy may do a little bit better job of certainly trying to engage uh, these persons who are running for office, like those who who are running for office in our our area district and so forth. I want to make sure I know who they are. I want to know who they are if you're running for something. I'm not going to certainly try to endorse you in any kind of way if I don't really don't get a chance to know you. Um, Right. Because I think I have have a responsibility and, and, Accountability to to the people that God entrusts me with, but uh, a moral responsibility.
0: Well
3: mm-hmm. if I'm going to openly say, you know, I really like such and such and such, I'm not going to certainly just go out and vote for them. But I can say I do certainly feel comfortable with A, B, or C. Then I want the congregation to know that hey, you can trust me enough that I've I've done due diligence uh, by you know certainly engaging these individuals, and mm-hmm. and that's very very important. So I think, but you know the what, more Pat, we Pamela? get community involved. -hmm.
0: Right. But you you know what, Pastor McCallum, you just said something that was key because you talked about how, you know, you could tell them, you know, well, you have engaged these people. But we, as the voter, have an obligation to ourselves to do the homework, to research these people, to find out what their platform is. And so we can be better informed when we go out here and vote. We can't continue to do the you know, well, they're democratic, so we're going to vote for them. We need to know your platform because just because you are democratic does not mean that I have to agree with you. Your views may still be be different from what mine is, you know? But we have to get to a point that we begin, I think we need to do a lot more um, voter education. Um, And it's not an insult on anybody, but we need, I, I feel like the more informed that you are, the more empowered you are, you know? Um, Correct. Correct. And, and I don't know if there's something that, you know, when you all get together, your different clergy, that you all can begin to talk and strategize as to how we're going to help to educate our members on, you know, on voting, letting them know, hey, this isn't an insult. We're not trying to insult anyone's intelligence. But if we all can begin to move as a unit, Man, it's 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 powerful, you know. I mean, it, it would truly be powerful. Right. Um, right.
3: representative
0: part, yes, sir. Representative part. I mean, what do you think? I think maybe we need to try to get some more. We need to figure out a way to educate our voters. Um, get some more, especially you know when we got our younger kids that are coming up to help to help them to learn. You know what you need to do. You know we need to get out here and research and you know just everything that I just said.
1: I agree with you uh, 100%. And let me go back to, uh, you know, what I mentioned when I first ran about. the. I didn't focus solely on on, um, voter registration, but to get our young folks involved, here's one thing I did. So the, the law says that if you are 17 years old, even if you're in high school, if you're 17 years old, if you will turn 18 by the time you can vote, then you can go ahead and register now at 17. You'll be 18 by election day. So I went to all the high schools in the district, and um, I I got all the seniors who were eligible going to be 18 by November, um, got them registered. Also, I went down to the jail. So as long as you have not been convicted and you have pending charges, you can still register to vote. So those are two things differently that I did. I went to the high schools to get the, the young kids involved, And to get folks who had pending charges, I got them involved also by registering them to vote down at the jail. But, you know, we we have the different demographics. And one of the things for our younger folks uh, to get involved,
2: uh, right
1: now social media is the dominant platform. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the young folks, it can't be long. It can't be a three, four, five-minute clip. It's got to be 30 seconds or less. To reach them. You got 30 seconds to reach folks, or, or their attention span is gone. So th- that's one of the ways. Uh, I know at the Democratic Party that we're developing that social media platform to reach the younger demographic to try to keep their attention. Um, and, and, and that's definitely the one way. One. Of the, now our older population, older demographic, we're still using those traditional means to try to reach them and get them involved and make sure that they stay
2: involved. So I want to interject here because I think, you know, the points that have been um, voiced so far are important, but we kind of also have to address the psychology that's very relevant, too. And I think there's a problem within our community when it comes to learned helplessness. Um, Representative Hart, when you talked about, you know, the Republican numbers and, you know, it seems like the They have the supermajority, you know, to someone that would say, well, my vote really wouldn't matter, so why should I, Mm. you know, participate? It wouldn't make a difference. But, you know, Stacey Abrams and some others before her have said, okay, you know, yeah, the odds may seem like they're against us, but if we do some work here, we may be able to turn this tide here. And I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty um, clear that some people from another party that's going to cross over it unless you like the straight ticket, you know. But there are people that cross over parties depending on the issue of the, the candidate. So I think we also have to use that as an opportunity as well. So what do you think about that learned helplessness as being a factor as well?
1: Right. I, you you raise an excellent point. And a lot of people have that mentality is you know, well, you know, they have a supermajority, why should I vote? And here's what I say to that. Here's why. I think they have to stay engaged and they have to vote. All the stuff that they passed, you had representatives like me that stopped a whole bunch of other stuff that didn't pass. So it's important to have your representative come and vote and have your representative present to keep some of them, because if we were not there, if the Democrats were not there, if I was not there to stop so much stuff, there would be a ton of stuff that come out and you'd be like, what in the world is going on down there? So it's also important for us to also stop some of the bad legislation that they're trying to get through, even like, even with the transgender stuff. They tried so hard. And for some reason they just signed certain groups to pick on and put their foot on their necks and we have to stop that stuff. So we were very instrumental in stopping them from just, passing legislation to just do awful stuff to the transgender community, which was just awful. So part of it is keeping a lot of the bad stuff from happening.
2: And this is another kind of a controversial subject right now, and I know it's still kind of being uh, debated in several states, and I know I've heard uh, Governor McMaster mention of opposition to critical race theory. Can you tell us where we're at with that in South Carolina currently?
1: Uh, where we're at is, is, is that you have a large Republican majority. Anything dealing with race, they don't want to discuss. And mm-hmm. the more they don't want to discuss it, the more I'm going to discuss it. And wow. so you you, you have um, – we, we have out of our um, our statewide – uh, representatives, including the superintendent of education, they're all Republicans. They all have said, even I mean, all of them have said, we're not going to discuss critical race. And critical race theory is not—it's nothing new. It has right. been out for years, for decades. It is not anything new. And a lot of folks don't understand and a lot of folks don't read. So we hear these buzzwords. You hear people come up, well, well, what's critical race theory? Well, I don't want you teaching my child about race. Well, we've been learning about race all our lives in school. We -hmm. hadn't been learning the full story. We hadn't been learning the truth. We've only been learning what you wanted us to know. Right. Now there's a movement, now there's momentum to say, Hey, let's tell the truth about what really is going on and what happened in this country and how this country was formed and let's tell the truth about how black people have really been treated. See if you look at Police, police brutality, and I fully mm-hmm. support law enforcement. We have been complaining about police brutality in the black community since the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. Mm-hmm. Only now because of social media, right. now the majority of the country said, "Oh, we, you know what, we didn't know that was going on. Really? <laughs> it's been happening for decades. In our community, and we've been telling you, but they've said for long, for years, oh, you're just complaining, oh, you're just resisting arrest, oh, you're just not complying with the police officer. And, again, I fully support law enforcement. We need them. Mm -hmm. They have a hard job. They have a difficult job. They do a great job. But there are also times when there's brutality and over-policing in our community. So... um, I tie all that into the critical race theory. That's part of it. Telling the truth about how we're treated in the community by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And in South Carolina, there is no appetite for the majority of the majority party to teach, including our superintendent of education.
0: Whew. um. I'm trying to think of how to respond back without coming off angry, because again, you know, just as you said, you know, um, we do need the police officers, um, you know, but sometimes we do have the issues to where every police officer really doesn't have a heart for the community. You know, sometimes they're they're, they're placed in different um, precincts that they're really not happy with, you know, so everyone doesn't have the heart. And that's the unfortunate thing, you know, and it's so, when we do deal with these issues, you know, a safe place, and, and Torres can actually speak to this, a safe place has to be created to where the officers that do see the wrong and they report the wrong don't feel like they're going to lose their job or that they're going to be ostracized because they're standing up for the right. Because, you know, forget all of this divide of the blue line and the, and again, I'm retired military police, you know? Um, there are no blue people. We don't have blue people. So we need to stop that because that continues to further divide. But I don't know if there's some type of, if there's something else, you know, I know we have, you know, like your whistle, whistleblower stuff, but we need to make sure um, or provide a way that we can ensure that when police do speak up against their coworkers, that they will be mistreated or mishandled. And so Torres, do you, I mean by being, you know, in law enforcement for the years that you were, um do you think that or can you think of some type of law or something that we can do that maybe we can begin to work on to where now, you know, other officers that they know that hey, we 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 can support you when you come forth in state would have happened and you will not be ostracized you will not be penalized
2: so i'm gonna respond to that but i'm gonna say this i think one mm-hmm. of the the biggest uh advances that has happened um i started as a police officer in 1999 this was before cameras um most of the police cars in the city of columbia didn't have in-car cameras, only the traffic officers did. So it was kind of the trust and honor system, trust you enough to carry this gun and wear this badge, you're going to do the right thing. I think since we moved into the, the cameras that officers wear, um, that has really helped. Um, there was a saying, you know, the uh, video keeps everybody honest. You know, you can tell the story, but the video will tell it best. And I think that's one of the biggest tools that kind of takes off the human element. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't need your explanation. Just let me watch the video. Let me hear the audio and let the, you know, let the conclusion come from there. I think that's the biggest thing because when you try to place responsibility in people, then you're expecting them to have the same morals, values, and beliefs, and we know that's just not consistent and we can't generalize that. There have been several times where I've asked officers that I supervise I would ask them, like, you know, why did you get into law enforcement? Sometimes I told the few officers, I don't think this is for you, you know, and they got mm-hmm. offended by that. But I, but that was just my opinion because, you know, I just didn't see that they were, their heart was in it, like you said. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's not common. Like, I was just a different kind of supervisor. Exactly. Um, I was just gonna, If I was thinking it, I was going to say it. <laughs> and I, I, I think, you know, we have to do that and we have to kind of,
3: police
2: the police have to police themselves as best they can but in the meantime we just use the, the body cams. <laughs> you know that's right. what we have to rely on because that that is just the that's going to record the truth you know
0: right 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 um wow this has been um, a great dialogue um, and I definitely want to say you know make sure that you guys want to go around and give a couple of minutes for some last words and how you know people can reach you Chris but I also want to say, man, make sure you guys tune in next week as well, um, because we will have FBI supervisory agent, James Deloach, on. Um, He's been involved with a lot of the major cases that has been happening now, um, and it's going to be another opportunity for a great conversation just as this today. So as we go around um, Representative Hart, do you have any last words of wisdom? And please let everyone know, you know, how they can... I'm still here. Yes. did you, okay. Could you hear me?
1: Yes, uh, yes, I could. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I, again, I, I just, you know, encourage folks to um, stay engaged, stay involved, um, and other than when a crisis occurs. Uh, you know, we, we, a crisis occurs in our community. Then mm-hmm. we, we get upset, we get galvanized, we march, we protest. But after things settle down, then we go back to our normal lives and things are peaceful and, and, and things, and we sort of forget about it. And, and that's the rub or how do we keep folks engaged when there's no crisis? And mm-hmm. I just encourage everybody to, to stay involved and get involved with your government. You know, get involved with the school board. Get involved with the city council. Get involved. with The county council. Get involved at the state house. You know, we're we at the state house Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. On Tuesdays, we're there from twelve, starting at twelve. And Wednesdays and Thursdays, we start at ten. Come to the hearings. Come to the the, the meetings, and see how things work. You know, we just passed our budget, a multi-billion-dollar budget. Uh, with uh, that's going to affect the state government. It's going to affect state workers. It's going to affect Medicaid. It's going to affect health insurance. All those things are important to everyday stop care um, So I encourage everyone to stay involved and uh, become more involved by coming down to visit your government buildings.
0: Oh, and let's not leave out stop-dodging jury duty. <laughs> you know, I, I, it,
1: it, I'm glad you mentioned that, Lord. I'm very glad you mentioned that because, as an attorney, um, you know, I, I, this is my 21st year. I can't believe it's been
0: 21 years. Wow, Chris! Of, of,
1: of 21 years of practice in law. So, and what? Hap- no matter what courtroom you go into, I can go in the courtroom in Forest Acres, and all the people who are charged with the crime look like Mm. you and me. Any courtroom USA, any town USA, it's going to be a majority African-Americans in the courtroom. So a lot of times, um, fortunately, we show up for jury duty and we try to get out of jury duty. Mm -hmm. And I like to encourage, that's one of the things that I also encourage folks to do, to don't skip out on jury duty because you never know the case that you may be picked as a juror to decide. You may Mm -hmm. be picked as a juror to decide a a case like, um, you know, even with Walter Scott, even with George Floyd. You may be a juror, and your voice is extremely important, your experience, your life experience. All of that comes into play. Right. So even with, like, you know, with cases where folks are hurt and injured, you know, you bring in your life experiences to understand and, and, and be able to empathize with that person, it will mean a lot back in that jury room. So I definitely encourage people to um make sure that they serve on the jury when they call for jury service.
0: Right, right, right. Um Taurus, any last minute words with wisdom?
2: Well, uh Representative Hart, uh I'm glad to, uh, to have you on and it's good to um, you know, hear your thoughts. I haven't seen you in a long time, um, but appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, I just want to say that you know nothing changes if nothing changes and the first thing that has to change is the way we think in order for the, the behavioral changes to happen. And you know the, today's session uh, podcast is just another example of the changes that we need to really follow through with. Yeah, we talk about it, but we really need to follow through and and, and act on it. Um, so I just want to say thank you, you know, Tyra, for this platform and, and this conversation today.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Pastor McCallum, you got any last-minute words of wisdom for us?
2: Uh, certainly. Thank you.
3: Uh, I'm just excited to be a part of a, a wonderful podcast with you, Ms. Tyra, and certainly. My representative, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chris, uh, and certainly with uh, Taurus and his, his brain mindset as well as the counselor. I just want to say just as a word of caution that uh, the Bible talks about watch and pray. I think sometimes we're praying, but we're not doing another, a good job of watching and being actively involved. Uh, the word is the word, but it does not come active until you apply it make it do something. Uh, and if, when you take the step, you take the initial step, then God gonna do his part to get you where you, you need to be. And so um I just encourage people to stay in the word, use the word of God for what it's called to do, but also you got to plot. You got to you got to put something you gotta put it in action. You gotta make it do something and you got to hold people accountable. Those that you feel that, that represents you. Uh it doesn't matter what party, but if they up serving uh our our certain our city and our state and we should be able to try to hold them accountable. Um That's right based upon by the word of God, what the word of God calls us to do. Uh, we are brothers' keepers, and we are responsible for what, what we do towards each other. It has nothing to do with color or gender. Um, we all should treat everybody, and everybody should be treated fairly. So uh, I just thank you for allowing me to be a part of something that I think is very, very important. Uh, and certainly we thank uh, Mr. Hart and others like him who who are there fighting daily to make sure that uh, they block some of the things that is not not and for our best of interest. Mm -hmm. So uh, appreciate that. And I think, thanks for that.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I would like to say I thank you all gentlemen for being on today, Chris. I thank you so much. Um, Pastor McCallum and Torres, um, I did reach out to you guys, but I did not get an opportunity to say it on air. I just want to say happy father's day, belated father's day to both of you, gentlemen. Um, you're definitely you. awesome, awesome men of Thank God, you. both of you, and I definitely appreciate you. Um, again, I want to let the listeners know you can always call in at 914-205-5361. You can find Pressure Points on PAC. Please reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can always actually reach out to us. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Audible, Amazon. We're out there, um, and always looking to engage you. So again, I just want to thank you for listening. This is Pressure Point Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little, and we'll see you next week. It's already.